sermon is called Ways of Bearing the Cross. And uh, we'll get to that in, a, in just a, a moment. But I want to open by asking, what is the natural inclination? <laughs> wow, that's going to be a problem throughout the sermon. What is the natural inclination of your heart towards your own discipleship? Discipleship comes with demands, with expectations, and generally speaking, Jesus' teachings focus on things that are, it's not stuff that's easy. You know, nobody has to tell you, eat chocolate. You do that on your own, right? But someone's got to tell you, forgive your enemy. You know, when you encounter a discipleship challenge, what is the natural inclination of your heart? You know, there are some of us that it's enough to make you wonder if they're really very happy with the whole Christian walk. I say here week after week after week, you know, it's the best way of life that there is. Sometimes it's because we've got to be convinced ourselves. Notice Mona Lisa there. I don't know if you can see that from the back. That is, you should turn around and look. <laughs> this is a very grouchy Mona Lisa. I'm not sure who that man is that they've superimposed over Mona Lisa, but he ain't smiling. You know? And then, but have you, ever, have you run into these people that that's not the case? Mona Lisa is now fixed. I have no idea whether the model was a Christian or not, but she's smiling now. You know, have you run into the people that they're, you can tell? It's not that their circumstances are a joy, it's the being a Christian is. And then it settles into their bones. You know, with some of us, it's like, I just won the lottery. Do you have any idea how much taxes I have to pay now? You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. We're going to find something to complain about, right? Although, and, and with others, it's my insurance company is refusing to pay the claim on my totaled car. But do you have any idea how much weight I've lost walking to work? <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Those two examples are kind of funny, you know. But... But that, that's really not what I'm talking about. Because some of us, I think, are by nature kind of Winnie the Pooh, while others of us by nature are kind of Eeyore. And that's okay. You know, it, it's, it's all right to have a disposition that, that has to work to be jolly. You know, some of us are more serious than others. But there is a, a nature of the heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? A way of looking at things because discipleship comes and it makes these very serious and very challenging demands on us. Jesus says, forgive or you won't be forgiven. Which is beautiful in theory because everyone loves the theory of forgiveness. But when you have something where that teaching comes to bear upon you, it's, but, but, but did, you, did you see what they did? Do you know what happened to me? And man, I've heard the stories of some of what's happened to some of you. I would never tell you you have to forgive that. I would never dare. I don't own the patent on you, but the one who does own the patent on you. The one whose property you are. He does say that. He expects it of you. He requires it of you. And when discipleship requirements come upon us, they come hard, don't they? It becomes challenging and difficult. What's the inclination of your heart towards your discipleship? Because there are kind of two different ways you can bear the cross of Jesus. 
two different ways of being His disciple. And one is kind of saying, man, I can't believe i got to do this. I hate this. And I have to forgive that guy who did the things? No way. He did the things. And I'm offended by the things. And I don't want to. I don't want to forget. Are you kidding me? No. Gross. I want to be saved by your cross, but I'm not so sure I want to bear mine. And if I have to, I'm going to gripe about it the whole way. There's that inclination of heart. Have you run into that? And then there's the soul that said, that person did the thing to me, and it hurt me. So now what do I do with this guy? God, what do I do now? Because I want to be your person, God. And I want to obey Christ. It hurts. How do I get there? How do I do this? How do I bear with the failure of my brother or my enemy? How do I do it? cross is how you do it. And the truth is, both the grumbling person and the discipling person may both be Christians bearing the cross. Now whether or not they're both benefiting from the cross, that's an open question. And it's not your call or mine. It's up to the Savior to decide what grace He intends to extend. But I will suggest there's something of a warning in this passage, in this sermon, toward the grumbling cross-bearer. Christ isn't thrilled with it. God doesn't respect that. He's calling us to something better. So... I want to look at this. It's, uh, this is in Luke chapter 23. If you want to have your Bible open and be reading along with me, have the text in front of you and look at it. In Luke 23, beginning in verse 32, the Scripture reads, Two others who were criminals were led away with Him to be put to death with Him. And uh, when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Him and the criminals. One on His right and one on His left. You know that... All four of the Gospels tell that story. I mean, the idea that Jesus is crucified comes as no shock to anybody. Non-Christians know that. Everybody knows that. I suppose it might be a little less known that there were two other people crucified with Him, but I doubt it. Drive down an interstate in Texas, you're going to see the three crosses up on a hill. And there, it's, it's a known reality that Jesus was crucified accompanied with others. But if you only had the other three Gospels, you wouldn't know about the conversation that happens on the cross. It's Luke alone that tells us. It's Luke alone who offers us the challenge of the two criminals. The two different ways of cross-bearing. We only see that from Luke. Put your finger in that. And let's come back to it in just a minute. When we talk about bearing our cross. What do we mean? You know, oh, it's just my cross to bear. You, know, you hear that phrase a lot. Is diabetes my cross to bear? No, diabetes is my stupid choices. 
Okay? This is not cross-bearing. The fact that I deal with an illness that can kill me. That's, that's unfortunate, but that's my fault. Okay? And I'm, I suppose I'm being shaped by it. My, my life is being shaped dramatically different. I used to be much rounder. You know, and that's a shape, you know, but, uh, but I mean, is my soul, well, maybe, you know, it's helping me with some obedience toward gluttony, I suppose. Maybe there's some cross elements in it. But we so often look at the hardships of our life and we'll say, that's my cross to bear. Or maybe we'll look at a person and go, that's my cross to bear. Actually, that person, that might be closer to cross bearing. Because remember, when Jesus calls us to discipleship, He puts discipleship into context of bearing a cross. And so, cross-bearing for the Christian doesn't mean just suffering. It means suffering in discipleship. It It is when faithfulness to God and obedience to Jesus' commandments, when that hurts, that's when you're bearing cross. And folks, if you listen to Jesus' teaching and you take them at all seriously and you try to do them, you run into the truth of the pain of discipleship immediately. Like I said, all of Jesus' teachings are beautiful in theory. You know, don't get angry. You know, if you get angry, you'll be subject to judgment. Wow, wouldn't it be great to be a non-angry person? You know, try to practice it though. You'll get mad at how hard it is. You know? Don't be driven by lust and hunger. Very easy until you realize that, wait a minute, maybe it's not entirely hyperbole that I rip out my eyes. This is much more challenging than I thought. Don't deceive is simple. Until I feel like I need some control in my life. Until I feel like someone might hurt me if they do what they want to do. And if I don't let them know about what their options are, then maybe I won't get hurt. So, It's just self-protection. I'm not lying. I just didn't tell the whole truth. Immanuel Kant would have been very impressed with me. Philosophy students are laughing right now. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, uh, it's funny to me. Uh, The moment you encounter the actual demands and what Christ expects of you, you realize that obedience to Jesus and obedience to God is painful, and you start wondering why anyone would do it, which is perhaps why so few of us do. After all, isn't that what Jesus' cross is for? I just assumed He carried it. Lord, You carried Your cross. Take mine too. You know, because I ain't forgiven. You know, I'm not doing that. What did God say? Maybe He's saying, I ain't doing it either. Discipleship is our path to life, but it feels like death. And it in fact is death. You are killing your own self. And you do it through discipleship. You do it through bearing the pain of humiliation and shame and the attacks of others and the failures of people around you and the call to Christ. You be my person in the midst of this. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's hard. Be with me. Because folks, he's been there when he was surrounded by everyone who failed him. Everyone who let him down. Everyone who shamed and humiliated. You won't out-suffer Christ. 
You won't be able to impress Him with how hard you've got it in your discipleship walk. He's always going to be able to pull out the cross card, right? And look at what He went through up there. And they cast lots to divide His garments. Garments. That's You're wearing garments right now, right? Most of you have a couple of layers of garments on. I don't want to know about those of you who don't. If they're casting lots for his garments, what is he wearing? In every painting you'll ever see of Jesus, he's got some kind of diaper on while he's dying on the cross. That does not show up in your Scriptures. He didn't wear a a cloth wrapped around his loins. He's nude up there. They literally stripped him of every dignity that he could as he died an ignominious death. He died humiliated and ashamed. And it's humans that did that to him. People that he would have to forgive while he died for them. And what was their behavior like at the bottom of the cross? And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. I have to say it like that because I'm sure. I mean, that's they're mocking. They're full on mocking a dying guy, and that's just ugly. You know, we we scorn somebody who on the football field hits somebody when they're down already. You know, you do a helmet to helmet, knock them out, kind of thing. That's gross. That's a game. And we think that's nasty. What does this look like? He's in the process of dying. They're making fun of him. You know? And they think that they're doing this because they think they've got him beaten. You thought you were the chosen one. You thought you were better than me. You thought you were over me. You made Messiah claims. Hey, Messiah, come on down. And the thing is, he could have. And what would they have done then? Come on down. Whoa. You know, because if he's coming down off the cross, there's a few angels coming with him. He doesn't do it. He just sits there and takes it. And then, you know, just to make sure that we realize, Luke wants to paint this not as a failure of the Jews, but the failure of humanity. So he goes and gets the Roman soldier too, and the Roman soldier mocked him also, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, if you're king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, they don't have the the good theology that the Jews do when the Jews are saying, He's the Savior. Oh, He's the Savior. They've got this big messianic thing. The Romans are like, "Uh, we're hearing you talk about saving. Well, you're going to die at our hands. Come on. Come on, King. You know, it's His Messiahship claims, His kingship claims that would have threatened those Roman soldiers. You know, because kings lead insurrections, and insurrections get soldiers killed. So come on, king, threat to my life. You're no threat to me now. You're dying. And what both of those are doing is they're, they've stripped him of clothes. Now they're stripping him of dignity. They're, they're making fun of him. You ever have anybody use harsh words against you? It is amazing how easy it is to stir the brokenness of our souls with a word. And one word, and we will dwell on it for a month. Remember, 
He's got nails. Nails inside his body while they're doing this. And they're camping out hurting him. And then just in case they haven't humiliated him enough, they throw up this sign too. And there was also an inscription over him that said, this is the king of the Jews. Not only do we make fun of you, we're making fun of all your people too. <laughs> the discipleship is hard. Obeying the teachings of Jesus is hard. Because it means dealing with other people's failure. Absolutely nothing that that crowd has done is okay. None of it. How much did Jesus deserve? He's being crucified for being a good man. He's a good man. Everything they're doing is absolutely insane. Responding well to that is hard. How do you do at it? When somebody hurts you, how do you respond? Remember, this is the man who said, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Remember that? This is the man who said, forgive everything. This is the man who said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's hard. There's no way around it. It's hard. Wouldn't it be great if we had a good example of it? He does what He says. What He teaches you to do, He means. He's not kidding around when He says, do these things. And He Himself practices them. On the cross, while they strip Him of every dignity, they hurt Him in every way, He has not one harsh word for them. Not one. He never responds in kind to anyone who does anything unkind to Him. And in fact, if there was any danger of it creeping up in His heart, He gives it away. Father, forgive them. Here, let me give this to you, God. I don't need to hold on to what they're doing to me. If I do, it will lead me away from where I need to be and who I need to be. So I'm praying for my enemies while they persecute me. While they're killing me, I will pray for them. And why does He do that? He is His own disciple. He takes His own teachings seriously. And He models them for us Perfectly. And He shows us what it looks like to bear the cross. In this this shameful, horrible place, it would be so easy to be not like God. But He's just like God. He's exactly like God. Because He is God. And He shows us who God is. And He's saying, this is what I'm inviting you to. Come be with Me. Come be like Me. Come be with Me. But then remember... Remember how we started. Jesus isn't on the cross alone. As I said, all the Gospels point out that Jesus is on the cross with other people. There's two other people crucified up there with Him. And you know, it's interesting that that one of those two guys we pay a lot of attention to because he ends up with some salvation. 
You know, and he actually becomes, you know, his, his name, if it were there, if we knew it, we'd know his name, but he gets his title capitalized. The thief on the cross. And it's this big question about how did he get saved? He didn't get baptized. He didn't say a sinner's prayer. How did he get, how did he do it? And there's a big argument about, well, it's only repentance. No. And I'm like, Luke has none of that in mind. That's all gobbledygook. If you've been paying attention to the Gospel of Luke, then you've seen that Jesus has been on this journey that's led Him to cross with two different groups the whole way. The whole way to the cross. There have been people who have been mean and attacking Him and cruel, and there have been people who have been walking with Him who are His disciples, who were trying to learn, who were trying to listen, who wanted to be redeemed, who wanted the forgiveness He offered. There are two groups of people. And, and there are two thieves, not one thief on the cross, two and remember, Jesus says, if you want to be My disciple, then take up your cross. There are not better exemplars for people bearing cross than two guys bearing a cross or being born on a cross. You want to know? This is, this is Luke saying, I want you to see the contrast. I want you to see it one last time. As Jesus dies, there are two different responses to Him. And you'll note, again, it's not outsider-insider. They're both on cross. They're, they're both doing the stuff we do. And I would suggest to you that's in partly because just walking into a church building and doing the church stuff doesn't mean you're doing discipleship. There are people who walk carrying cross quote-unquote, without ever bearing cross. Without ever doing discipleship stuff. And they have a representative here. Christians that walk through church building but won't forgive. Christians that sing songs but don't love. Christians that aren't kind. Christians that they wear the name Christian without the fruit of Christian. That's got a representative. And then there's the other group. And they're both represented there with Jesus Christ as He dies. So the one says, one of the criminals who, who were hanged railed at Him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us! Now who does that sound like? It sounds like the people on the ground, doesn't it? It sounds just like those religious leaders or that Roman soldier. It sounds just like them. But wait a minute, it sounds just like us too. You're the Christ, save me! But listen, don't ask anything of me, okay? I want to go to heaven, I don't want to go to hell. But I don't really want to do that stuff you said. Man, that sounds really hard. So aren't you the Christ? Save me! And if that does not scare you to your bones, then you haven't been listening. That's a huge warning from Luke. It is possible to look like a Christian and and walk with Christians and be surrounded by Christians and absolutely reject discipleship while demanding your salvation. It's a problem. It's represented here on the cross. But now look at the other guy. 
But the other rebuked him. And by the way, church, that's your responsibility. For me, if I start behaving like that, for them, for you, for each other, if we start behaving like the one thief, we're called to say something to each other. We're called to call one another out of bad cross-bearing and into something good. So he rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Which you'll note, that's where he starts. is with a call to God. Take God seriously, man. Take God seriously, sister. Don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation for we indeed justly for we're receiving the due reward for our deeds. And you'll, you'll note how, how much this guy is able to be introspective. Do you realize that's a gift from discipleship? The ability to look in and to see yourself not as the hero of every story, but maybe as having some work to do? Maybe needing some change? This guy's got it. He's got it. Do you? And then he said... But this man has done nothing wrong. He sees in Jesus something he wants. Something he wishes he was. And you know, he's in the last moments of his life. He can't do anything with it now. But if he'd been alive, where would that heart have taken him? Into discipleship. He would have been like, that's what, there it is. Finally, what I want. I was stealing stuff, and what I wanted was being given away. I didn't want stuff, I wanted me, and I wanted me whole and content and complete and unbroken, and he's what can give it to me. That's what I want, and that's why the disciple is willing to carry the cross. Why would anybody do all this hard stuff? Because it leads to a different way of life. It leads to a different you. It changes and transforms and makes you able to recognize good from evil, really. And to really live it. To recognize Jesus for what He was and, and want to be with Him. And he said, Jesus, this may be the most faithful thing anybody ever says in the whole Bible. Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now that's a thing that makes sense to say three weeks earlier. Right? What are they doing here? And when he says this, he has to pull on nails and push on nails in hands and feet in order to get enough air out to be able to say these words loud enough that the guy 15 feet away can hear him. It cost him something to say this stuff. It hurt. What? You're dying, dude. Remember, he's dying. What are you talking about? You see, this is why the disciple does the hard thing. Because we haven't fixed our hearts and our lives in this world only. We know that in this world, discipleship is the best way of life that there is. Living, forgiving other people is a whole lot better than carrying grudges. It's so much better. Living, loving people is so much better than living, hating people. But it's not just about this world. 
we know that we are preparing and shaping our hearts for something that's coming, something different, something better. And we prize that other better world above this one. And this guy's got it. And he's able to say, hey, when this all works out for you, because I know this is not the end. So when you get what, you, what you're doing this for, remember me, will you please? Amazing faith. That's the faith of the disciple. That's the person who's able to carry the cross because they know where their heart really belongs. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. That's why we do it. To get through all of the hard for the something better. And the something better is something that you and I cannot imagine. We've lived our whole lives in a broken world. we lived our whole lives in broken skin. We are ourselves broken persons. We can't imagine even an unbroken self, much less an unbroken cosmos, but that's what's coming. And that's why we go through it. That's why it's worth it. So, I end with the question I started with. What is the natural inclination of your heart toward discipleship? Toward your own discipleship? Because the truth is, it's going to be hard. And if you think anything else, you're fooling yourself. It's the best way of life that there is. It's also the hardest. It is so hard to love and forgive when you don't want to. It is so hard to be kind and good to people who are actively being bad to you. It is so hard to hold your mouth closed when all you want is to spew out your screen. It is so hard. It's also so much better. How are you doing? Which which criminal do you look more like? Because we're all of us criminals. We all know good and well what we deserve. But because of the man in the middle who wasn't a criminal, who died the criminal's death, we're not getting it. At least if you're walking following him. How are you doing? If you look into your own heart today, do you see the heart of a disciple? Do you see the behavior and the fruit of discipleship? The answer to that is no. You've got to know you're looking maybe more like the other thief, right? The one we don't pay attention to? He's there as a warning to you. Don't follow that one, follow the one in the middle or the one on the other side. They're doing it right. And if you need the prayers of the church because you know your own brokenness, we will absolutely pray for you. It may be that you came into this place and you're hurting. You came carrying something that I haven't talked about at all, but it's heavy on you. Let us know. We want to pray for you. And if you're not a Christian, you know, I don't know how much sales work I've done here. You know, it's hard. It's also incredible. Following Jesus is the best way of life that there is. It has the best promises. It's it's better than anything else. And if you haven't started, today's the day to start. If this morning you're subject to the invitation of God, there's room right here. Why don't you come while we stand and sing?